We've been doing the past couple weeks a series called I Can, and I'm going to review a little bit, but I'm going to pray first. Father God, I thank you for the privilege and the opportunity to share your word. It is great, and it is awesome, and it is a blessing. But God, we want to hear from you, not me. Jesus, you're the teacher. You said we're two or three are gathered. You're in our midst, so please come and speak and lead us and guide us and encourage us in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we started a message, and if you're visiting today, normally we give out sermon guides, but the past two weeks and this week we are not, because uh, the first week we handed out a can of soda. There were a lot of different cans, and the idea is that I can, and then we took that scripture where it says, I can do all things through Christ, and we're talking about that God can empower you to do everything he's called you to do, and we've said it a few times. It's not that you can do all things through Christ in the sense that you can go dunk a basketball, all right? It's not that you can go cash a check right now for a billion dollars and are going to get a billion dollars cash in your pocket. It ain't going to happen, all right? Because if you ain't got a billion in your bank account, you can say that scripture all day long and you're not going to get the billion from the bank. But you can do all things that through Christ. And so we took the can and I'm going to put up um, a couple things we talked about it, that, that this can was formed and it was filled and it was, it was sealed, for a purpose, so that it could be delivered. And you are formed. God made you the way you are. There are no mistakes. God didn't look at you and was like, ooh, didn't know that was going to happen. You know, God looked at you, and, and he designed you, and he, he knows what he's doing. So you are exactly where and when you are for a purpose. He's formed you. He's made you that way. So you can look at your spouse, and you can say, he made me that way. And you could just smile, you know, and they say, why are you always like that? You know, he made you that way. That's the way that you are. He formed you. And then he filled you because we wouldn't buy these if they were empty. You buy it because of what's inside, and he fills you with his spirit, and he should fill you with his word, and then it's for a purpose. It's, it's sealed, and it's sent out, and that's what we believe believers are, and so that was kind of our sermon notes for that week that God has, has sent you out, and you can do what God has called you to do. This cannot um, end thirst, all right? You guys know what thirst is. My kids... Um, this weekend, we were walking around at this little water park thing. I took them to a water park, got a really good deal inside, really cheap. And after about four hours, they're like, Daddy, water. And there's water all around, but it has chlorine in it. But they're like, water. And you know a kid is really thirsty when they ask for water. All right, They don't want juice. They don't want soda. They're like, water. They were thirsty. And so this can can, can quench the thirst of one person but it can't do everything, and so God can use you to do something. The next week, we talked about um, the word envelop, and I put an envelope, and we handed some of those out to everybody out there, and kind of we talked about how on an envelope, I had to reach in and grab mine right there, had an envelope, it's covered, right? The word envelop is the root of the word envelope, and it means it's covered. We cover the letter up, Um, and then we put some things on the envelope, and uh, you put where it's from right up here, real small in the corner, And you put where it's going kind of real big across the middle. And the idea that your past is way less important than your future. God can use your past. So praise God. Whatever you've come through, God can use it. All the hard stuff, all the good stuff, God can use it because that's who you are. But he has a bigger future than your past is. Like your future's bigger than your past. And then it's paid. You take your envelope, you put a stamp on there. And then um, you are paid for. You, you are paid for by the blood of Jesus Christ because you can do what God has called you to do. 
Well, today we're going to, I didn't hand out anything. People say, well, what what do we get? There's no note, God. What are you going to do? But I'm going to ask you to do something. So reach into your purse or your pocket or wherever you keep these. And I want everybody to take these out. Just play along, humor me. All right. Keeps me interested, keeps me engaged. But hold up your keys. We got a lot of different types. All right. I want to see who has the, I work for a school system, I was a principal. And so a lot of times, this one doesn't look like it, but when I work on the building level, I look like a janitor. I have a key ring about this big, and it's just gigantic because I can open up every door. But we all have keys. And so instead of handing out keys, I said, you know, just just take them out, hold them in your hand, just sit with them for a second. Because keys, we have them for a reason. In fact, keys, and there's a definition I put up there, and you can put it on there, is they are a means of gaining or preventing entrance, possession, or control. In fact, that's why we have these keys. This key right here, I can open up the theater. I can come in here, turn that, and the theater will open up. I can get inside the theater. This one right here, I can go to my office at work. Monday morning, I will be going there using this, and I can gain entrance to my office. The other thing I do at my office is I lock that sucker up. So when I go to leave, nobody gets in my office. I have one for my house. I have this small one here. I don't know what it does. All right, you have any of those keys? I don't know what it does, but I'm afraid to throw it away. All right, I don't know what that one does, but the second I throw it away, I'll find a use for it. So I keep that one there. I got a car key. Well, I was raised in Miami. I know it's not common everywhere, but when I get out the car, I lock the car, okay? I do not leave that thing open. It gains possession, control, and then it also um, can keep people from coming into things. And so we're going to share some keys, which I think are very important and really will help you figure out how to to gain control in a sense of what God is doing with you. Like if you want to do what God has called you to do, you got to get a hold of these keys. And if you don't want to do it, if if you're not accomplishing what God has called you to accomplish, I would check your heart again, some of this stuff up here, because one of these might be the reason. So we're going to go through a few keys. It's going to be kind of quick, but the first one, and I think this is the way this, this works, is, and you can put the first one up there, it says, forgiveness unlocks mercy. The Lord's Prayer, you guys know the Lord's Prayer, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, depending on what translation you memorize it in, you might say thy in there, or you might say your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts or our trespasses or our sins, depending on what you memorize it, as we forgive those who sinned against us. And you can put the scripture up there, and I believe I put it out of the ESV, it says, and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. If you want to accomplish what God has called you to do, you got to be really good at forgiving people. We've said this before, but I think it needs to be said often. In fact, when Jesus gave the Lord's Prayer, he put it in there. When the Lord's Prayer came about, the disciples were watching Jesus pray. And when Jesus prayed, things happened like blind people could see, deaf people could hear, people came back from the dead, loaves of fish got like, um, loaves and fish got multiplied. Jesus' prayers worked, and he, they said, Lord, show us to, how to pray. And when he taught them, he said, he included this part. Because we are constantly getting offended. No matter what, you are going to be offended. You are going to be hurt. 
and you better be darn good at forgiving other people. You won't accomplish what God has called you to accomplish until you can get really good at being a very forgiving person. Forgiveness is like the only poison that that you try to give somebody else and you actually wind up killing yourself. It's a poison. It's bitter. It, It rots you from the inside out. And you get offended all the time, just like driving. If you don't learn how to forgive and forget, you're going to be angry. Your blood pressure will be rising, and you're going to be upset. Those guys that drive for a living, I'm sure you forgive people a lot because that's just part of it. They cut you off again. They got in front of the way. But, but, but if you sit there and, and you stew on it, you're going to be, how can I get this person back? Have you ever been there? They cut you off, and you're just like, well, if I could do this, if I could just do that. But you know what, that can wind up destroying you because you wind up getting into an accident. I was telling people at our small group, and if you're not in a small group, we have new small groups starting in January. We'd love for you to take part of that. But I was telling people in my small group my story of, of death before merging. All right, have you ever almost died before merging? I have. I came onto a road in South Florida, and I pulled in. I had a little white Ford Contour four-cylinder we got from a government auction for real cheap, and I drove that thing until the engine exploded. But before it exploded, I'm driving this Ford Contour, and I came onto the road, and I, I, I was supposed to merge, and I got right to that place where I kind of locked eyes with the person next to me that was supposed to kind of either let me in or speed up. And, and we looked at each other. She looked at me. I looked at her. And so she was kind of going slow, so I kind of gunned it to try to get in front of her. Well, then she gunned it. And I said, no, no, no. No, no, no. So I gunned it, and I put all four of those cylinders to work. And then she put all four of her cylinders to work. And we began racing. And little did I know that at that moment, I'm locked eyes on her. I've made in my mind, there's no way I'm going to get over. I don't care what it takes. Um, I looked forward just as I hit one of those big orange barrels. <laughs> Have you ever seen like Fast and the Furious, big orange barrels full of water? Boom, water everywhere, barrel on the windshield. I cannot see. In a Ford Contour, my windshield is gone. I had to just stop and pull over to the side, and my heart was pounding, and I was racing. And, and don't do that. Young people, don't take examples from me. Learn from my mistakes. Well, I didn't know that they were filled with water like that. But I realized that that kept me from my purpose. If I would just relaxed and not made it personal, I could have wound up just merging and got in there. Instead, I probably could have gotten arrested. Luckily, there were no cops around. Um, the barrel, I drug it for a couple miles until I t- turned over and I stopped. And it was, it was a dangerous situation. All because I didn't want to, I didn't want to let something go. But in our lives, we do that all the time. We got, we have some. Some people that are even in church and we're bitter, and we don't know how to forgive. And um, if you're going to be married, if you're going to be in any kind of relationship with anybody, unless you're going to be a hermit living in Alaska by yourself on your 140 acres, um, you're going to have to learn how to forgive. And even then, you probably have to learn how to forgive yourself. So forgiveness unlocks mercy. The next key that I think that you need to know, and this is very important, is weakness unlocks power. Paul said something. Outside of Jesus Christ, I can't think of anybody who, who I have more respect for than the Apostle Paul. In the scripture he gives us, it's in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. It says, three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. Well, what is he talking about? 
He's talking about this thorn in this flesh, this something that was attacking him, something that was hurting him, something that was being a, like dragging him down and keeping him from going forward. And they use the word thorn in the flesh. And I remember being young and walking around outside in the Everglades and out, out in the woods in South Florida where, where they were. And I remember thorns would stop you. They'd make you think twice. Like you could be going out and having fun and, and other branches, they just kind of go against you. But when you got the thorn that caught you, you would stop and you'd readjust and you'd untwist that vine. Like thorns hurt, you know what I'm saying? Like it wasn't gonna make you cry, but it made you stop and it made you readjust and it made you reevaluate because you didn't want that thing digging into your flesh. And Paul is talking about this thorn, this thing that was digging into his flesh and he wanted to adjust, and he says three times he pleaded with the Lord about this. This is Paul. Paul also prayed and things happened. And three times he goes to the Lord and he says, Lord, can you remove this? In verse 9, God says something that is not something that we maybe want to hear, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. Paul says, therefore, I will boast all the more about my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then I'm content with my weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutors, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. See, we want to boast about I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. But when was the last time you boasted in your weakness? You boasted in something you weren't good at and been like, well, the Lord's really going to have to show up now. We don't like to do that. We don't want to be seen weak. Our culture, our society is no different than his. Nobody wants to be seen as weak. Nobody wants to be seen as, as not good enough, as not measuring up. We want to be strong. But God can use your weakness. Why do you hide it? Why do you, why do you keep it hidden? Like God can use it. Paul boasts about this. Yes, I, I had weaknesses and I wasn't perfect, but, but the power of Christ rests upon me. You know, one of the things I don't share a lot, I, I work a very, I work a lot of hours. And I, and I spend time with my kids and I don't rest maybe as much as, you know, your body wants you to rest, you know, but, but I realize I have a limited amount of time. And, and one of the things since I've been here in South Carolina that's just been awesome, and I don't tell people about it, but, but it keeps me humble, is the fact that a year and a half ago when I got shingles, which horrible disease, never get shingles. If you have the option between getting shingles and not getting shingles, go with not getting it. But since then, my leg over here, like from about my hip down to my knee, it just feels like it's on fire. I don't know if you've ever been burned. It's also not good, okay? Like you don't want to burn your legs. So, so from here to here, there's days that it just feels like it's on fire. Like picture if you had a, a sunburn, like a really bad sunburn, and then take that sunburn and take a wire brush and just like scrape it for about 20, 30 minutes, and then pour some acid over that, and put some chiggers on, on that, and some fire ants, and then just see how that feels for a little while. Not a very good thing. And then they gave me like medicine, and I, I don't know about you, I don't want to take medicine. But some of that medicine just makes me stupid. 
and doesn't even get you like feeling good. It's one thing if you feel good and you're stupid, but if you're just stupid and you don't feel good, it's like, who even invented this? Why do they even make this medicine? So the, you know what I'm saying? It just, it makes you stupid. It makes you cloudy. And, and so I don't even take that, but, but I've been weak. But I say, all right, God, you're going to have to, you're going to have to do this. Because I can't do this on my own. And, and I'm not complaining. I'm just saying we can make excuses about why we can't serve God. I have a really good excuse. But I say, no, God's going to have to be you. It's going to have to be something that only you can do. My grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. There's weaknesses about being bivocational, working two jobs. But his grace is sufficient. It's good enough. And if you don't really know how to rejoice in your weakness and thank God that you're weak, you don't really know what it means to be strong. So if you've got something that's making you weak, you're in a really good spot. The next key here I think that is important is courage unlocks righteousness. I think that there's a lot of people that are kind of just chicken. We're afraid. And if you're going to be righteous in this age, you got to have a little courage. You got to have got to have a, have a uh, something internally driving you to stand up. I was talking with uh, Ken. Now, if you don't know Ken, wave Ken over there. I'm going to embarrass Ken because because I can do that. I'm up here, and he has to forgive me because we just talked about forgiveness. So, Ken, we were talking and talking about getting together and hanging out, and we we couldn't get together last week, and so we were talking. He said something. He goes, "Let's do something radical." Let's do something crazy. Let's do something good for Jesus. And I know Ken means that. He is excited to go above and beyond for Jesus Christ. you got to have a little courage to do that, to stand up for what's right, to stand up for what's good. And we don't have that in our church right here, um, in, uh, in the church in whole, not Lakeside Church, but the church as a whole. Uh, Philippians 1, 20 through 21 says, It is my eager expectation, and I hope that I will not be ashamed, but, I will f- but that with full courage, and now and as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or death. For to me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. With full courage. With full courage. I was reading uh, on the internet about there's a province in China, and you may have heard about it, and I may not get all the details correctly, but they basically told the people in that province that were believers, it was a poor area in China, they said, if you want to get government assistance, now remember, they're they're communists over there, but if you want to get government assistance, then you take down your Christian imagery and put up a picture of the leader guy. Because Jesus ain't feeding you, but we will. And so the people in that area, they were having to make a decision like, imagine what would happen here if if, if your tax return, if they said, you know what, you want your tax return, then you better do this. Put a nice big picture of this person, that person, or another person. (laughs) What in the, that's the devil. Everybody pray in tongue, and I'm just kidding. I don't know what that is, but somebody's messing with the remote, so why don't you turn that TV off, Mike? We could do that or just go and plug that. In fact, I'm close enough. I could walk over here. Somebody jumped in there. That was pretty funny. But that, um, that is how that works. That was really interesting. 
But have courage, because I don't know as into that. I'm confused. But, but if anyways, it, the idea that they're making a whole group of people have to take down the religious image, whether it's a picture of Jesus or a cross or this, that, or the other, just to get the government assistance. How many people would really go for that? In fact, they made it easy. They said, you know what, you can keep it, just not in the main room. In your living room, put a picture of the leader guy. In your bedroom, you can keep your cross. But we want you to know who's important. Now, some people here, hey, we may say, I don't care if I have a cross in my house. It doesn't matter. But the point is this, is, is, is there courage in the body of Christ that whether by life or by death, we want to be magnified. The next one, and this is something here I want to go, is serving. These are all keys, remember? This, I think, is so important. Serving unlocks leadership. I, leadership. I mean, they write books on this all over the country, and, and they spend millions of dollars to train people on how to be a leader. And Jesus basically gave a sentence or two that summarizes everything. He says, I'm a one among you as one who serves. In fact, the scripture here is in the book of Luke, chapter 22. It says um, that they're talking, he's talking with his disciples about being a leader. And he says, but not so with you. Let the greatest among you become as the youngest and the leader as one who serves. For who is the greater one, the one who reclines at a table or the one who is serving the one at the table? But I am among you as the one who serves. This is a key. A lot of people want to be leaders. You want to get promoted. You want to, get, you want to be in charge of something. And in the kingdom of God, the way up is really to go down. That's it. It's nothing profound, but it's hard. And I'm telling you, you're talking to a guy that's been promoted two times this year just at my physical job. I don't preach over there. I'm not Pastor Chris over there. I'm just Chris. But the reason I keep getting promoted is because I understand a truth that's bigger than they understand. How can I help? I don't care who you are. I will lift, and this is the truth, I help the janitors out. Janitor comes into my custodian, comes into my room. I help them. I cover, I take my garbage, I bring it out there with them. They love me. Some people would never be seen doing that. But I'm, I want to be among them as one who serves. My boss asked me for something, I got it. Somebody that I don't even work for asked me for something, I got it. Coworker, I got it. Not afraid to serve. In the body of Christ, like that's who we're supposed to be, is servants. Mike over here. Mike is somebody who is not afraid to serve. He'll show up and he'll help out, and you can ask him to do just about anything, and he doesn't come with any... Um, any pride, any, any arrogance. He just wants to help out. Sally on this side. Sally, she'll serve. She's not here for a title. She doesn't care that I tell her name. But she'll come and she'll serve. Me, the first time I heard somebody talk about this, I don't know, I was just young enough to think the Bible was true. So I showed up at the church on Monday. And I said, I want to serve. What can I do to help? They had no idea what to give me to do. The church just looked at me. They were like, um. They paired me up with the custodian, and they had me pick weeds all around the building. So I picked the weeds, got dirty. Lunchtime came. I said, all right, what's next? 
they were doing a construction project and they needed some concrete chipped. So they hand me a hammer. Can you chip that out? Sure. I don't know, within two years, I was the administrative pastor of that church at like 20 years old. Like it was the senior pastor, the co-pastor, and me. Like I made the decisions. It was a pretty big church, a school and a daycare. But I didn't go in there saying, all right, I'm here. I want to run this place. I want to make all the decisions here. I can do this better than you. You guys don't know what you're talking about. But I went there with a heart to serve. I realized I didn't know how to do some of this stuff, so I recognized my weakness. I forgave people when they offended me. And God puts you in a place of leadership. And I've seen that be successful no matter where you are. Uh, The other thing I want to say is consistency. And this is where, like, if I had any gifts right here, it's consistency unlocks faithfulness. I am not the fastest I'm not the smartest, but man, that's something I want to be. I want to be consistent. And I I guess she put the wrong one on there, but consistency unlocks faithfulness. I, I love you guys, but I want you to ask yourself, am I consistent? Am I in it for the long haul? Can I go day after day after day, even when it's hard? Because it's going to get hard. Forgiving people, that's no fun. Serving, it can be fun, but sometimes it's not. That's why everybody doesn't do it. But are you consistent in your walk with God? I think, I think as you're consistent, God's faithfulness is revealed. Because you don't get promoted on day one. What kind of boss would that be? Either a desperate boss or a boss that's not going to be there very long. But a boss that can watch you over the years and say, this is the person right here. They've been consistent. They've been faithful. And so be that way with God. Not perfect. I'm not talking about perfect. I'm talking about consistent. Showing up is half the battle. Do you know the average committed Christian? We're not talking about average American. The average committed Christian who goes to church. So I'm like really narrowing this down. Not average American. Not average Christian, average committed Christian. And then out of that group, the ones who go to church, do you know what the average church attendance, it's like the cream of the crop, 1.9 times a month. That's fine if you want to be average. Now, for some people, I'm not putting guilt or shame or anything, but But is it 1.9 times a month because you have a job that takes you around the country and you can only be there? Well, that's just the way that it is. Is it 1.9 times a month because you're busy with other things? But one less than twice a month, it's going to be hard to serve. It's going to be hard to be consistent. It's going to be hard to be around people long enough to forgive people if you're not there to experience that. Not a message of judgment, but it's a message of reality. I have people that tell me they want to do great things for the Lord, and they come once a month. They got plenty of time for everything else in their life, but Jesus is just not that important. And I'm just saying, consistency unlocks faithfulness. The last two things, we're almost done. 
right here. Generos- generosity unlocks prosperity. Now, I want to I put this in context. What I am not saying is that you can give to the church and God will give you a Cadillac. All right, so if you think that's the way it works, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is in your life, if you are generous, whether it's inside or outside of church, if you are a generous person, you will be prosperous. And I'm not talking about financial being the definition of prosperity, because there are some billionaires that are miserable. But I'm telling you, if you learn how to be generous, you will be prosperous. Why isn't the church the most generous place in the world? And what I am not saying is give to the church and you'll get back. This is not Las Vegas. This is not saying if I write a big check to the church that God will somehow pay off my bills. No, you know who's going to pay off your bills? You. Because probably you. You're going to pay off your bills. But what I'm saying is if you learn how to be generous... God honors that. Like, just look at what Jesus says right here, um, right after this. Um, It's actually in 2 Corinthians, as Paul said this, my fault. It says, the point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. There is something that happens when you are generous, and I'm not confining it to church. You should be the most generous person you know. If you go out to eat with me, it's going to be pretty darn hard for you to pay. Some people do. Some people, they sneak up and they pay. But, but I want to pay, not because I'm anything else. I want to be generous. The church, we want to be generous. We're giving these things away to, to people on this Tuesday, these, these meals, we're not getting anything from that. It's not for promotion. It's not for publicity. It's, it's for being generous. In fact, when a waitress is terrible, everything in me wants to not tip. And sometimes I don't even want to pay. I just kind of want to walk out the back. I mean, that's where my mind goes. It's like, I could get out of here. You ain't finding me. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's how my mind goes. But then I realize, no, I want to be kind and generous even to people who aren't, because that's the God I serve. My God was kind to me when I didn't deserve it. When I was his enemy, he gave his son for me. So I want to reflect that to everybody I come in contact with. It's not because this person deserves it, because they probably don't. But it's because I'm not going off of what they deserve. I'm going off of what I was given. So I want to reflect that kindness. That's like when we talked about these baskets. In my house, we eat tastios, right? Tastios, not Cheerios. We eat the cheap stuff. If they make a generic version of anything, we are buying that. And in fact, if they make a generic of the generic, all right? We're not even getting, we're not even Walmart brand, Daddy? No, not Walmart brand. We could save seven cents with this one right here. Like, we'll get the cheapest one made, but, but when we give something to somebody... We go the best because we want to be generous. That's why when we said when we make those baskets, you know, there's, there's the mac and cheese we would eat at our house. In fact, tonight when we eat dinner, that's what we'll eat is the cheapest of the cheap, whatever, you know, is just healthy enough. 
all right, just healthy enough that my kids can live and be alive on Monday, that's what, I'm just kidding, I'm sorry, baby, I'm joking. I'm just, it's a little joke. I'm saying we want to eat, we, we, we take care and we try not, you know, low GMOs, you know, we don't go no GMOs, but the low ones, you know, just a couple of them. The ones that haven't been proven to be too deadly, you know, nothing organic, we don't have that kind of money, baby. I'm saying, but stuff that hasn't proven to kill anybody, that's what we go with. The cheapest of the cheap. I'm just kidding. But when we do give and we, do, we are generous, we want to be generous with the good stuff. Jesus told that story about the lady who came and poured out um, oil, a fragrant aroma on his feet. And the disciples were, or Judas, you know, don't be a Judas. Judas was like, why are you doing that? We should have given that to the poor. And Jesus said, well, she's doing it for me to anoint me for my burial. And it was this very costly perfume. And so in doing that, when we bless somebody, we want to be, have that kind of generosity. And what I don't want you to get stuck on is, oh, he's just telling me to tithe, or he's just telling me to, to give money to the church, because you could write a check in this offering, but go and be the most stingy, nasty, bitter person and that is not going to help you. You need to be generous. My dad, I, wa- I watch this with my father. My father has been generous to people who didn't deserve it. And there have been times, he was one of those guys who started a lot of businesses, and there have been times I've seen him go above and beyond in business to be good to people. To where I was like, why are you doing that? You don't have to do that. That's, that deal's not coming out in your favor. But he just knew, I'm, I'm going to be good. Maybe they don't deserve this. It's like I've, this one guy, George, we started this business, and my dad basically winds up giving George this part of the business. And I always thought, like, why do you have to do that? But you know the prosperity that's followed him in other areas where he has good relationships with people and he has open doors and sometimes things just fall in his lap and it seems like he just has ridiculously dumb luck. It was that generosity that I think he showed to other people that comes and follows him in his life. I'm not talking about karma. I'm just talking about if God sees that you're good, sometimes you wind up getting more blessed. And if you don't receive it in this age, you know there's a retirement account that does not rot away up in heaven. And you may not get paid down here. You know, you may never get your blessing. You might be like Paul. All I see is weakness, hardship, persecution. That doesn't mean he wasn't going to be prosperous. Sometimes it's down here. Sometimes it's up there. And it's, I'm not talking about it as an offering thing. Because you don't even pay me. Can I just put that out there? You don't pay me. I do this for free but I would be wrong for not telling you to go out and be nice. Like, why are Christians stingy? Why do waitresses not want to wait on Christian people? You know, sometimes that's true. Why are Christian businessmen, they get a bad rap because they have the fish on the card, but they rip people off at the contract time? That shouldn't be us. We should be good. And then... The last thing I'm going to talk about is um, bold proclamation unlocks power demonstration. 
I want to make a case for this. I'm going to do it in about three minutes, and then we're going to close. But in the scripture over here, and you can go through the book of Acts, but you read Acts chapter 4. Now, to put it into perspective, and we're done right here, but Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit came for a purpose, to send out the church. Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit showed up. That was the first time in Scripture that the Spirit of God was poured out onto all flesh so they could go out and share the message about Jesus Christ, the most important message in history. Chapter 2. By chapter 4, they're scared. They're freaked out. And they're praying for God to send the Holy Spirit and to give them more. And in verse 29, you kind of see their prayer. It's of Acts chapter 4, it says, Now look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness while you stretch out your hand to heal with signs and wonders that are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. The gospel of Jesus Christ when it is shared under the power of the Holy Spirit, God will demonstrate to that person that it is truth. He will do something supernatural. It might be an internal feeling that they just, they just know, man, this person's speaking truth. But, but I believe God wants to demonstrate. God wants to, to put his seal, his mark of approval on the words that he shared. But it has to be done with a level of boldness. A level of boldness, which in 2017, coming up on 18, is getting very hard to know how to do. How can I be bold without being offensive? Jesus could do it somehow. He offended some people, but he only offended the religious people. So if you can only offend religious people, you're in good ground. He didn't offend sinners, he just offended religious people. So if you have to make a choice between am I offending religious people or am I offending sinful people, just do what Jesus did. I'll offend that guy or that girl. But you could speak the word and you could speak it boldly and you could speak it with power and God comes through and he does what he does. For instance, Rich. Rich, can I bother you? Can you come up here, Rich? I just, I just wanted you to see this. This is my friend, Rich. And don't judge me, we're done. When I started the church here, I knew nobody. Now, I went to meet Rich. Come over here, brother. Rich came here, he did the strong man feats of strength, right? You guys remember Rich? Who remembers Rich? All right, you guys remember? All right, you guys remember Rich. I was starting a church. I didn't know Rich. I met Rich at work. Rich is, I mean, he's a little, little taller than me. He's a little stronger than me. I don't know anything about Rich and, you know, sometimes when we're at work, who has a, a face at work that you're not the happiest to be there? Or am I the only one? That's just me. So we have our work faces on. We're at work. Hey, I'm Chris. And he's like, hey, I'm Rich. Whoa, no, where are you from? I don't know. We're talking a little bit. And he goes, why are you in South Carolina? I have an option. Now, Rich had a T-shirt on. If you can't see, Rich's arms are about the size of my torso. I look at Rich. I don't know what he believes. Rich could have been an atheist, pagan worshiper that hates Christians and wanted to see me dead. And he would have had a very easy time of killing me. Like, in a sentence, I just something about how strong he is, and you could just feel it. And so I look at him, 
And I have this, this decision to make. Do I water it down or do I tell him why I'm in South Carolina? And I look at him and I really wasn't afraid, but I was kind of just looking where the door is. <laughs> like it's over there, not knowing where this conversation is going to go. Not fearful, but aware that this could be bad if Rich doesn't like what I'm about. I moved here to start a church. And then we just kept talking about work stuff. Something in that conversation, he, he, let me hear more. And I said, well, you know, we could talk after work because we have work stuff to do and I don't want to use my work time for church time. I'm, I, I, I'm a servant. I'm there for a purpose. We were there working on something, so we made a time to meet. But that was bold. Maybe you don't think it was bold. But here I'm working. He could have gone, you know, and fired an HR complaint or done something like this. I wasn't trying to be preachy or just pick me up by the neck and throw me up against the wall or, I don't know, whatever Rich chose to do, he could have done that. But I had to be bold and, you know, I, was, I didn't cross any lines. I mean, we didn't really talk about church stuff at work. We went and got together afterwards. But if it wasn't for Rich, I would have never met Caleb. Because Rich saw Caleb at a gas station and was like, you need to meet Chris. So Caleb and I met, and I don't know anybody here at the church who's a bigger servant that puts more into this place. But I want to tell you, it came from boldness. And it came from early, the day before somebody said, next time somebody asks you why you're there, tell them you came to start a church. And I might have embarrassed Rich, but I'm, I'm sorry about that. But I want you to see, like, it's easy when you're talking to Allison or somebody that's, you know, not eight feet taller than you and 14 times your strength. But the next time you're put in that situation, you just got to be honest and say, yeah, I came here to start a church. And his eyes got big. And I was like, is this good big or bad big? <laughs> <laughs> and he wanted to hear more. Are you happy or are you really angry that I'm starting a church? You know what I'm saying? But, but I wasn't afraid. You got to be bold. And God confirmed it with Rich. I know we become good friends. We text back and forth. He Ones that has, he has my dog. My dog lives with Rich. <laughs> Praise God. I mean, he's a good, not my dog anymore. It's Rich's dog. But thank you, Rich. All right, you can go take a seat. But that was my example of give him a hand for not hurting me that day or today. Right? You're not going to hurt me. You're going to forgive me for making But it's the point is, is it's, it's never easy. It may, might be difficult. But where's the boldness that comes from just telling somebody how it is? Like, I wasn't rude, but I didn't hold back. Oh, I came here for a community action organization that we're going to try to do positive things in the town. No, we, we came here to start a church. <laughs> well, can we hear more about that? Later, if you want to get together later, I'll get together with you. But right now, we're going to talk about work stuff, so let's stay on work stuff. Because that's the proper thing to do at work. You know, I have, a, I have a role there as an employee, our time is our own time. We can get together, hang out, and talk as much as we want about God. And that's, that's the way to handle that, with being bold. And I think that sometimes people were not bold. So those are some keys. I'm just going to highlight them real quick, and we're done. But you need to forgive. You need to have courage. You need to be bold. You should definitely be generous. You should be a servant. You should be consistent. And if any of those things are off, 
I think it'd be really hard to accomplish God's call on your life if any of those things are off. So right now, I want you just to bow your head, just close your eyes just for a second. I want you just to think about some of the stuff we shared as we wrap up and as we close out. And, and this was not a message of, of judgment. This was a message of hope. And I want you to see that you, could, you can accomplish God's call. And it works for all those things. Some of you guys might be interested in becoming a small group leader. Do you know you better be able to serve that group? It's going to take courage. You better be bold. You're going to have to forgive the people that come to your house because sometimes they're going to make a mess. All this stuff works. You want to you run any kind of ministry or, or have any kind of impact. You want to be in kids' side downstairs. Do you know you're going to have to forgive people because they're going to offend you? You better be willing to serve. You better be generous to those kids. And you know God will bless all that stuff. You want to be on the worship team. You, 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 want, to, you want to serve in Club 180, downtown Columbia, that we're looking at getting a better um, um, relationship with. All of these keys work no matter what God has called you to do. You want to start your own ministry that is nothing like anything that Lakeside offers. You're still going to have to do every single one of those things. Be generous to people. Be kind. Be bold. Be consistent. Day one is easy. Day 100 may not be easy. But the more consistent you are, the more faithful you see God being. So I want you just to, to, to bow your heads. I want you just to think and say, you know, have you been lacking in any of those areas? Have you been lacking? Between you and the Lord. Or could you do better? Because God has a great plan for you. And yes, it's all Him. But there's some stuff that we can do on our end by His grace when we admit we're weak. If you can say, you know, I've been weak in one of those areas. And I would like God's power to just strengthen me. Would you put your hand up? Just say, you know, I've been weak in one or more of those areas.